A very warm welcome into another edition of Trailblazers. Hope you're going well wherever you are around the country and I'm sure you're going to enjoy our chat with my guest today. Rebecca Seldon played international football for New Zealand after a successful career in US college as well. But it's her off-field career too where she has certainly made some waves and is making some significant changes, particularly in the women's sports space. There are so many areas and avenues we can go into with this chat and I'm so looking forward to it. Rebecca Seldon and welcome to Trailblazers. How are you? Kia ora. Great to be on the show and thanks for having me. Well, super excited. So usually we kind of go a little bit chronologically, start with early life and all that, but I want to go very current with you um, to start because quite literally on the day we're recording this, some kind of news that you have been all around has has, has happened and, and FIFA has dropped the Visit Saudi sponsorship. Just give us a little bit of background, first of all, of what the sponsorship, this insane sponsorship was all about. Sure. So FIFA Women's World Cup is obviously coming down under to Australia and New Zealand in July. It's going to be the biggest women's sports event, a huge opportunity to grow the game and women's sports as a whole, and and particularly in this region. So FIFA for the last kind of couple of years has been I'll very much packaging, promoting, selling the tournament on its kind of woman pioneering merits, you know, and that was one of even the reasons New Zealand and Australia won the bid. Apparently the whole post document was centered around our track record on progressing gender equality and, you know, first place to get women the vote and women prime ministers. So very much that set this up and sold it in a way that really focused on women's rights. So six weeks ago, there's some reports that FIFA were going to align with Visit Saudi, um, who obviously don't have the greatest track record on women's rights and humans' rights. So there was a lot of backlash around what this would mean for the host, the tournament, players, fans. And the great thing is everyone in the women's sports community came together, as they do, and what's so brilliant about the women's sports community, this united and collective voice around not wanting to have that alignment. Um, so for me, it's just purely when you're doing sponsorships, it's all about shared brand values, equity goals. So for me, this was just a step too far in that gap between what each brand stood for in terms of how FIFA Women's World Cups for themselves and how Visit Saudi are. So today we had the news, finally after six weeks of deafening silence that FIFA, obviously, at the Congress in Rwanda right now has come together and said, okay, no, they were in discussion, but there was no contract and they won't proceed with that partnership. So I think a bit of a sigh of relief <laughs> from all stakeholders. Um, yeah, so we can just kind of get rid of these distractions and progress forward with making the tournament as exciting and successful yeah. as possible. It's weird, though, because they still kind of don't see why a fuss has been made, right? Like, they're, they're still confused. <laughs> at, at, like, it's so FIFA. Yeah, exactly. And this is what I have the issue with. It's great. We got there in the end with this result, um, just the best thing for the women's football community. But, you know, the reports that were coming out, and, again, these are all just reports yeah. because FIFA didn't have a voice over six weeks on the issue, even their letters to the official stakeholders like the New Zealand Football, Football Australia were confusing, they didn't confirm anything, they were kind of left, you know, not knowing what was going on, but the reports were saying that, oh, FIFA were baffled by the backlash of this. So my bigger worry about this is, how can FIFA be so out of touch with the women's sports community, and 
what their fans represent, who they are, the unique traits of this tournament and the women's game, which they should not only be leveraging, but not going in opposition to those. So it's a real concern that this is a surprise, this type of backlash. And yeah, it does make me worry what that holds in the future and that Mm. even they were having discussions with these type of parties in the first place that didn't align. You know, if they had a clear understanding and kind of sponsorship strategy that everyone was on board with, they could have shut this down in two seconds and wouldn't have even gone there. So yeah, now it's just, Looking ahead, you know, we're only a few months out from the tournament. Um, my understanding is there's only three official women football sponsors out of a potential of 18. So, you know, I just think we've got to really, they've really got to take a look at themselves and, and reevaluate how they're selling the women's game, the opportunity around it, and, you know, potentially some missed opportunities there. Um, so I think they're going to have to do a lot to rebuild the confidence of potential future sponsors because, like we heard from these current sponsors, they were blindsided. Yeah. New Zealand Football, Football Australia, the New Zealand government, everyone was blindsided by this report that Visit Saudi was maybe going to come become a partner. And, you know, I think the way they were sold it, it's, it's just a misaligned from that, that it's a worry for anyone coming forward into the game. And I'd definitely be having some uh, strong contract clauses in there mm. if I was any partners moving forward. Mm, for sure, for sure. Um you you are a very busy woman, and you have been very busy of late with a quite extraordinary campaign or project piece of work that you've been doing. Correct the internet. I'm sure most of our listeners have heard of it because it has been popping up everywhere of late. Tell me a little bit about what Correct the Internet is. What have you set out to do with this? Yeah, sure. Well, Correct the Internet's really become a movement um, that a group of like-minded people, um, again, very women sport typical kind of community came together and to help increase the visibility of sportswomen on the internet. So if you were to search something like which footballer has scored the most international goals, the internet will tell you it's Ronaldo when in fact it's Canadian woman footballer Christine Sinclair. And actually there's about five other women players ahead of Ronaldo. And it's not just a footballer or a one-off thing, it's actually across all codes and all continents. So another one um, that I love, given we love our Blackburn so much, is if you typed which team had won the most Rugby World Cups, it would say the All Blacks rather than our Blackburns who have six titles and on and on it goes. So we joined forces, um, a number of us, to kind of not only raise awareness around the issue and ensure people were kind of questioning what they were finding, because, you know, the, the implications are, are wide-reaching. So, you know, for fan searching, kind of reinforcing that narrative that, oh, you know, women's sport isn't quite as good as men's sport or it's second tier. You know, even for journalists or media who might not know the game that well, who are searching, they're getting the wrong information, which is perpetuating that, you know, lack of visibility and turning that lack of sponsorship. And even for kids, you know, daughters sons doing school projects, they searching up something on the internet around school project, they're getting told, hey, daughters, sorry, there's not quite the same pathway for you in sports as as your brothers. So we wanted to raise awareness around this issue and and make sure people were questioning what they were finding. But also, too, we wanted to actually fix the problem. So our goal, you know, is to ensure that sportswomen are given not only the visibility, but the recognition they deserve around these achievements. So... 
we created a simple tool online on our website, correctinternet.com, where people, anyone like yourself, your listeners, can go on and pick out one of the 30 or so statistics we've found that are incorrect on the internet, follow a few easy steps, click, 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 and actually submit feedback saying this is incorrect to the search engine. So before this, I didn't actually know there was a function <laughs> in these search engines that could do that, but apparently there is. So we're you know, really bringing people power to this effort that it can kind of fast track into these search engines and the engineers to kind of go up and create an issue internally within these organisations so they actually take note and and do something about it. Are you getting traction with, you know, most people would say that some of these big search engines, these big tech companies are a bit notorious for their uh, information services and whatnot. Uh, the, the traction from them to actually get those corrections made? Yeah, well, we we understand they're all aware of the campaign, which is fantastic in itself because you know, that kind of external apply pressure as well. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's a topical thing. So we know it's, it's within those departments and the conversation they're having. So it's great to know that's being noticed and made aware of. Um, but we also do know that people power is, can happen. So it's actually not the fault of these search engines. Uh, they're just providing us, the consumers, what they think we want. It's actually us as people who have written this inherent bias in their algorithms. So, you know, historically, sport was set up for men and it was a men's thing. So all these structures and systems have been set up with a men's first lens. So, you know, and that's flowed into the likes of the internet. And we as people kind of keep reinforcing this every time, you know, we put something in there or, or search something or, you know, putting our bias across the whole of society. So, yeah, it's actually us as people. And the good news about that is we the people have the power to correct it. So, hence the feedback tool. And, and we know kind of it can change because during the Rugby World Cup you know, last year, before the World Cup, if you search that um, term I mentioned around yeah. Rugby World Cup, it would come up with the All Blacks. There was a moment in time when the black ferns were getting so much traction and interest and popularity that it actually switched to the correct answer being the black ferns have won the most rugby world cup. So we know there's moments where we can change it and we're hoping uh, from this external pressure to these big organisations and kind of the internal pressure we can put from people power that we can get it fixed. Is this been um, is this sort of global or is it all been based here? Is it all or is it all key but a Kiwi power? Yeah, well, no, it's um, been a collective, primarily Kiwis um, came up with the initiative and, and kind of drove it forward, so an agency, DDB, and, and myself, but we've had partners across the board, like the likes of Women's Sports Aotearoa, yeah. New Zealand, but then huge organisations globally, Sport Australia, we've had the United Nations come on board, We've had media companies like um, Together, which is Alex Morgan and Super Bird. I love Together. They're the coolest company. I was very excited to have a conversation with them, and they all love it and um, have, you know, helping propel the conversation forward. We've had the Lawn Tennis Association um, do a brilliant kind of combined video with all the tennis stars on that, so check that out. Um, So it really has been... A global phenomenon. We've had, you know, interviews with BBC, Sky, All America, and from India. So, 
it's clearly an issue that is universal and is resonating globally. So I think a, a couple of highlights for me was waking up one morning to um, see that, you know, probably the sports ginger quality queen, the legend king, the tennis legend, had shared, shared our campaign numerous times and, you know, it was her favourite thing on the internet right now. So, you know, for me, seeing someone like that who this has all happened organically, no one's paid anyone or there's been no budget behind this movement, sharing it, you know, to the likes of Alex Morgan, um, the US women's football striker commenting in the news about it. You know, these are leaders in the sports space who are progressing the game. And Katie Sowers, the first coach to coach in an NFL Super Bowl, you know, all these people from across the board sharing it. Um, and someone actually I liked was Brian Habana, the South African rugby great. Nicest he, man in the um, world. Yeah, well, he, again, showing his um, allyship and showing how nice he is online. But um, one of the stats in Bolton, so if you type, who scored the most rugby tries in a Rugby World Cup, Internet again says it's um, John Alamo and Brian Habana when actually it's our beloved Portia Woodman. So he actually came out on LinkedIn and said, yep, no, it's Portia Woodman. She has, you know, 20 tries or whatever it is. So been fantastic to get the recognition from sportsmen as well. Um, it's not, I think we picked sports as a first um, kind of platform to tell this story. Obviously, it's a, you know, problem across all of society yeah. in different sectors. But great thing about sports is, you know, we know how passionate people are about sport and what a connector it is um, across all people. But the, the answers are very black and white. It's not, we're not asking who's the best player. We're asking what's the statistic around that? So who has scored the most goals? So it's a clear answer. There's kind of no in-between. So, you know, I think that just takes any other debate out of it and is one of the reasons we kind of um, tackled women's sports first. Yeah, and it does nothing to diminish Brian Habana or Cristiano exactly. Ronaldo or anything like oh. that. It's just, you know, it's actually just, exactly. yeah. Look, we'll better take a quick cool. break here um, on Trailblazers and we'll come back and we'll get into the other, the, the earlier career of former football fern and now marketing genius. That's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> Rebecca Soudan, back in a moment. Welcome back into Trailblazers. I'm Ricky Swanell, and with me this week is former football fern Rebecca Soudan, who has an incredible campaign, Correct the Internet. That is just one of the many things we're going to be chatting about with Bex today. But I want to go to your football career. Um, was football always your game as a kid? Was that the one you, t- you took to? Yeah, for some reason I just loved it and got into it. But I'm showing my age here. Back in the day, you know, I was still one of the first girls playing in a boys' team. So, you know, had all those barriers to break down and probably going against the norm. But um, I just loved it and, you know, had the brother who played and probably followed in his footsteps. And I think for me, you know, I saw the opportunity with the U.S. uh, college system and being so professional there. And women's football was kind of leading the charge in the U.S. So I knew I wanted to be a part of that and, was one of the first Kiwis to go over on a, a soccer scholarship. So went over to the College of William and Mary on the East Coast in Virginia in um, Division One school and just an amazing experience. I think the Americans do college really well, college sports in terms of come out with a degree, have a great social time, but actually you're essentially playing like a professional training, you know, twice a day and, and the competition around that. So incredible experience and then came back and played for New Zealand and 
fortunately got to play against all the legends of the game, the Mayor Hams and um, actually against Christine Sinclair, the, oh. the one featured in our hero ad, which played her at North Harbour Stadium. And, um, oh God, I think it was 5-0. So I think she might have added a couple of that record uh-huh. during that game against me. So all credit to her. But, um, yeah, and I think, like, many athletes, you know, the roller coaster that is sport. Um, so, you know, I love playing for New Zealand. It's my world at the time. And I missed out uh, by one spot I was in the non-trading reserve to the, the World Cup. So, you know, I think when you kind of football your whole world in sport, it's hard as an athlete to really eat them on basket and, you know, missing out on such a big dream, you know, having to pick yourself up and kind of focus on the next goal. And, and even post that, you know, retiring it, you know, you feel like you lose a bit of your self-identity when it's, it's all you've done and what am I going to do next? And, you know, when it takes up so much of your life, trying to get that balance of, you know, moving forward and, and what part sport will play in maybe your career and in life after actually playing. Mm. We, we, I've had a few people on the show who've gone the US college route and, and to, to varying degrees, um, Ruth Croft, the runner, she was on, she had a, just didn't have the time that she wanted. They got injuries and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But mm-hmm. as, as a pathway, how do, and there's, I mean, there's stacks of Kiwi kids who are over in the college, mm-hmm. so many different sports. As a pathway for you and, and your experiences, how did you define that environment and the academic side? and that juggle, mm-hmm. um, particularly when we're talking so much about balance for, for young athletes. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a challenge. And I'd say that the most important part of it all is getting a college environment that fits and aligns with your individual values. Um, so I think if you can get that right, you can have an amazing experience. But likewise, I've, I've had you know friends kind of end up at colleges that didn't match their lifestyle or the playing level and you know, had the opposite. So yeah. I think that's really important. And, yeah, it is a very, if you're going to Division One, and, again, depends on sport, but, you know, it can be a very competitive, um, hard environment. And when you're kind of in your late teens, early 20s, trying to juggle everything else going on and you're changing life, that, um, you know, it has to be something you really want to do and, and dedicate it. And those pressures are real. And, you know, especially with women's footballers over there, you know, kind of reports that when I was playing anyway, you know, potentially overtraining and pressure with injuries. So I think, again, it's just really doing your research, finding coach that aligns with you, a good college, you know. The states, there's so many different um, cities, you know, every within every state it's such a different experience. So, you know, making sure that aligns as well um, and having a good support network around you. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to go into a team environment and fantastic group of people when you know you're so far away from family, but just all those considerations. So really does come down um, to that individual personality and, and also too with different sports. So for me, you know, women's football was that college in the States was where it was at. But, you know, for other sports, um, that might not be the pathway for kind of continued sporting success. But I think for those looking for kind of come out with a degree and, and have a different experience alongside the sport, it's a great um, avenue. Yeah. So where did you grow up? <clears throat> I'm a Aucklander. Aucklander. Girl, so, yep, yep. So done all my years here, but uh, obviously been away for the past eight years. Yeah. Um, kind of went, went to Hong Kong for two years and ended up there for seven years. Um, just wanted to experience experiences. Amazing. I, I got to work on the Hong Kong students and sponsorship team there, which phenomenal event, uh, as I'm sure you're aware. And 
I know they say if you get get bored, turn around and watch the rugby. So <laughs> a real um, example of kind of sport meets entertainment. Um, but also I, I led the Volvo Ocean Race up there, which is another great experience, um, you know, leading a bigger sport event in a different country. And I spent the last year up in Europe. So great time to be in Europe with uh, the women's Euro phenomenon, being at Wembley for the final was just an experience, yeah. I hope will get replicated here in New Zealand for the, the World Cup, but just such a unique environment and women's sport, again, it's just such a different product and offering. Um, you know, the, we all know the, the audience is more gender balanced, kind of inclusive, family orientated, you know, all potentially great things to go to a game and not have fear built on you and this collective uh, vibe that everyone wants a great day out of the sports match. So, you know, it was really a unique experience, and um, even got to go to the FC Barcelona women's game at Camp Now there, which ninety two thousand fans, so the biggest women's football record. So amazing to experience the growth at that time in Europe, and you know, I'm really hopeful that kind of continue to see that here in New Zealand post kind of the Black yeah. Ferns win and with the lead up to the Women's World Cup. Mm. What, so what did you study at college to, to sort of set you on this path of, of, of where you're at around marketing, sponsorship, branding, but also to be able to go to all of these incredible places yeah. and work around the world? Yeah, sure. Well, Please don't tell me you studied like law or something. <laughs> no, no, no. I um, probably, yeah, at college did set myself up. I did a business degree and we always had a passion for kind of marketing. Um, but, you know, sports wasn't as big of a thing, particularly in New Zealand back then for career. So I spent kind of the first decade of my career at Television New Zealand and the marketing roles there. I loved it, the dynamic nature. And essentially it was, you know, very similar to sport in that you're selling entertainment and marketing entertainment, which at the end of the day what sport is. So it's great to get that kind of media and entertainment experience and then intertwined with some sports events down here like the FIFA Under-17 Women's World Cup and the Rome World Champs and I ran my own beach soccer series for three summers so kind of always played in the space but it wasn't actually until four years ago during the FIFA Women's World Cup that I started really focusing on women's sport because again we just went to the opportunities or the jobs or the market around women's sports four years ago it's only been in the last couple of years, we've really seen the growth and the, the commercial opportunities around that come to fruition. So I was uh, sitting there watching the World Cup in France and, you know, getting the reports that a billion people were watching this tournament. But yet I still was struggling to see many sponsors or commercial partners around the event. And those that were were just doing a copy and paste job of their men's sports yeah. sponsorship which, you know, it's a completely different opportunity. It's got different values, traits, everything like that. So I just started, you know, developing a passion to advocate in the space and why more sponsors should get involved and study best-case examples. And, you know, it was hard slog the first two years. You're creating a lot of content and you think no one's reading it or cares or, you know, no one actually cares about women's sport and, and everything like that. But then, you know, we just kind of saw that moment where the last two years it's really taken off and I can feel it and see it in my own work. So, you know, my website gets hundreds of thousands of hits now on the area. You have people from all sorts of um, past kind of reaching out on a daily basis. You know, the some of the amazing things I've got to work on, um, like 
currently working with Visa Europe on their women's football strategy, which kind of is a dream client because they've been there from the start. You know, they were the pioneers in this space, got into it very early and sponsored the Women's World Cup, Euros, Champions League. Um, yeah, I'm working with a number of partners down here in New Zealand. So, it's yeah, it's all coming to life and um, beautifully and almost too too beautifully. It's uh, been a little bit busier than I'd like with the success of Create the Internet and, and other projects, but, you know, a fantastic problem to have yeah. um, you know, with women's sports when there's so much interest. The classic, just say yes and then figure out how to fit it in afterwards. That's yeah, what I always exactly. do. Um, I'm very guess... yeah, bad at saying no, yeah. so I probably take on too much. <laughs> I hear, I hear. My guest today on Trailblazers is Rebecca Soudan, who, you know, why settle at world domination when you can correct the internet? Um, let's take a quick break here on SCNZ. Back with more in a moment. Thanks for being with us on Trailblazers. I'm Ricky Swanell and my guest is Rebecca Soudan. Uh, we've been talking about the, the sponsorship, sponsorship space, marketing of women's sport. The changes that have happened in the last yeah, five years is incredible. Is there a one moment or is there something that has triggered it or has it just been a collective mix? Yeah, it's really been kind of a collective and you know the groundwork has been laid there for some time and, and it's just kind of a everything coming together at the right time in the moment and the world finally seeing the excitement that women's sport can bring and I think also two contributing factor is we've reached that point where the standard really has gone to that next level particularly with the likes of women's football that you know, it's, it's a new standard. Um, the quality is really up there. Mm. The, the big thing is, and I guess the, the people who always, there's always someone who have a, who I say want to poison the water. Um, <laughs> oh, it doesn't pay for itself. And well, the commercial viability. Yep. But where yep. are we seeing the money coming in now? Because that's really key for, for so much. Yeah, and I think um, people need to, you know, realise that men's sport has had a hundred year yeah. head start or decades on women's sport, you know, as I mentioned before, sport was primarily set up and seen as a, a men's thing, and all the systems and structures have been set up to see men's sport succeed. So when women started getting involved in the game, you know, there's all these trying to mould into these systems or, or kind of seen as a subset. So, look, that will change over time. And, you know, I think the perfect example um, of how much time we have to kind of fast track is the, the Football Association in England, they actually banned women's football for 50 years. So you couldn't go and access these fields and have women playing. So, you know, they have essentially had women's back, football back 50 years. Yeah. So we've got to make up that time. Um, and it's very chicken and egg. And I tell people to look at women's sport as like a startup. It's not going to just be successful overnight with no investment. It's you know, a startup requires the proper marketing, the proper investment to allow it to thrive and, you know, in the same way that men's sport has. So, you know, you've got to kind of expect the returns up front with absolutely no resource in it. And, you know, organisations just need to see the bigger picture here, that the growth opportunity to bring new players, to bring new fans into your game through the women's side is enormous. And in the long term, that's going to have, huge impacts on their bottom line, but actually on, you know, the growth of their game as well. So it's, it's um, as people say, it's not a zero-sum game. You know, if you're a family and one of the parents is going off to work, it's not going, oh, I'm earning all the income, so I'm not going to give the other partner or the kids <laughs> any of that income. You know, it's only men's sports are bringing it in, so that's just going back to me. It's, 
you know, seen as a wider um, family organisation that we're all in this to grow the game together. So I think we are starting to see money come in. Um, sponsors are, are finally getting on board going, oh, actually, there's something in this women's sports, you know. And, and for me, it, it offers them a, a different um, story to tell. It's, like I keep saying, it has different brand values. It has a different audience. So for brands who want to align with, you know, um, progress and, and gender equality or, um, you know, women's sports seen as more progressive, more inclusive, more clean, uh, more inspiring. And that's the research saying that, not just me. So all these amazing brand values that sponsors can align with that they might not get from the men's game, it's completely opening up new avenues for them. Um, so, yeah, I just think so there's a lot of talk and, you know, it's trying to handhold people that's a new space and, and help them kind of unleash the opportunity and potential and help them do it right so they can get maximum value as well. Mm. I'd love to know your thoughts on this. I, so I sort of have a view that in New Zealand sport, we can be very conservative. Um, we have a lot of really good people, but people who stay in the industry and go round and round and round in various sports. What has been your view, I guess, coming back from overseas and seeing how it's been done in Europe and, and through yeah. Asia and all of that on, on just how we value and how we market and brand sport mm-hmm. in general, not even necessarily just women's sport? Yeah, I mean, look, I'd probably say particularly in the women's sport space, New Zealand's probably about 18 months behind. Right. Um, and, you know, a lot of that comes down to we might not have the luxury of the population and the, the budget like you see in America and, and um, England. But, you know, the great thing is that New Zealand's always had this pioneering spirit. You know, we've been the first to do so many things. It's a little market where we can be more agile and, and test things down here. And I would just say that we could really lead the world in the space by being more bold and, and risk-taking. And I think, particularly again, that's what needs to happen with women's sport. We've got decades to catch up. We're not going to get there from just doing the same old thing. We need to take bigger risks and be bolder in our action to actually fast-track that. And I think the way we do that is, you know, creativity can go a long way. Yeah. So. You know, even for sports organisations around sponsorships, being creative and flexible um, in the way you're pitching things and don't just be the rigid, like, here's your, this is the cost, you know, you get three billboards, this and that, and the logo here. You know, what are they trying to do? And let's work together to do something different. It doesn't matter if it's, it's outside the box of your normal sponsorship proposal. So I think, yeah, flexibility, creativity can go a long way um, within the sports industry. And, yeah, I think it's just, like you say, um, you know, sports is such a political and passionate thing. You know, a lot of volunteers or people get into business side because of the love of the game. And, you know, I think it's just ensuring sports organisations attract and retain the right talent for the right roles, not just maybe, you know, ex-players or people who are passionate about the sport but have both, both skill sets of what requ- might be required in some of those roles. Yeah. Do you think we will ever get to a point, or should we ever get to a point where it's just sport? It's not the woman's sport isn't tagged on front of it? Yeah, look, I probably don't have as big a problem as others with the, the gender qualifier of, you know, women's sport because I think they are different products, and, and that's okay. Like, you know, there's such great things about both games and, and both versions and formats. 
I would like to see we're in a situation where, you know, the junior qualifiers added to, to men's sport as well. So it's not just the FIFA World Cup, it's the men's World Cup and the FIFA Women's World Cup. Yeah. But yeah, I think in in terms of societal kind of referencing and sport, yeah, it, you know, sport is all about entertainment. So people want to see, uh, you know, a close rivalry and, and game and end to end and some great goals. You know, they'd rather watch say, a women's sports matches, you know, to a, a one, two, one game in the dying seconds with some fantastic goals and a 20 nil thrashing of mm. low skill from the men's team. And I think too many people still get caught up in men's sports better than women's sports because of just a few reasons that, yeah, no one's disagreeing that potentially men are physiologically stronger or, or faster than women. But there's only one aspect of sport, the physical side, the skill side, you know, the, the emotional role-lookness of the yeah. drama, the entertainment. There's all these other bits. And, you know, there's a game. There's pros and cons to both. Like, you know, I love watching women's tennis with the longer rallies and, you know, the, the Blackburns. And everyone said the game was all flowing. And so, yeah, I think we need to stop comparing and particularly on these physical attributes and realise at the end of the day, sports entertainment, and there's so much to it. So hopefully we get there. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, we'll take one more quick break here on SCNZ. Come back uh, with my guest here on Trailblazers today, Rebecca Salden. You're listening to Trailblazers on SENZ. I've been chatting today with Rebecca Soudan about, well, a wee bit about her actual football career, but it's off off the field and since in the marketing, branding, sports sponsorship uh, space. Um, you mentioned earlier about, I guess, sport as a career and, and when you were at, at uni in the States and all of that, it wasn't necessarily a, a, a real idea for, for women. Um, how do we get... Sporty girls through high school, whatever, um, who then aren't going to be silver ferns or black ferns or football ferns, mm-hmm. um, to see sport and the numerous career options that there are. What, is there a, a way to keep them in, in that? Yeah, well, I think, you know, first and foremost, and this is across participation and, and further careers, but we need to ensure girls are having a great experience in sport, be it playing or whatever that is. And, you know, there's some worrying stats out there that say girls, drop out at twice the rates of boys, you know, by the teenage years. And you know, I think trying to tackle a lot of those barriers. So, you know, the, the lack of role models and, um, you know, even things like uniforms are still kind of made to men and everything like that. So I think it's really looking at what the barriers are. And, and for me, with women in kind of sports careers at the moment, you know, there is that lack of visibility or pathway and role models. I mean, been great to see the likes of Raylene Castle at Sport New Zealand there, and we're starting to see more. But you know, I think that's why some of the gender quotas around boards with sports organisations who are receiving funding are so vital. That you know, not only a different perspective um, on those board decisions, but you know, announcement can be considered in that term. But you know, it can't be what you can't see. It, it's true. So I think showing women first and foremost that there are those pathways and, and you are valued. I think secondly, it's, you know, rewiring these structures. As I said before, it's not being set up. It's been a men's thing, you know, men have been making the decisions and stuff because that's the way it's always been. But um, you know, trying to work to rewire them to get, you know, maybe there's more internships offered to women to get them into sports business or ensuring even things as simple as workplace environments with women's blues and changing facilities that, you know, available, um, and, yeah, just kind of 
like bringing down the barriers like that. So, you know, I always say, I see a lot of sports roles come up and, um, you know, the, the old saying that men, a woman only apply for a role if they've got 100% of the yeah. experience and skills, whereas men apply if they've got 50% of that. And I think, you know, it's not women's fault that historic systems have told women to question their, their selves and doubt themselves. So, again, what, what could we do to counter that? You know, it's making sure that when a job goes up, hey, tag a woman on social media that you think should apply for that is, you know, really making a considered effort to tap them on the shoulder if they're not going to apply and, you know, encouraging them to put their hands up and, and get involved. But, um, yeah, I think it all comes back to just creating positive experiences so they stay in the game for life as fans, as administrators, whatever it might be. Do you think it's changed, though? Like that maybe younger... Oh, gosh, I'm going to sound like back in my day. Um, you know, <laughs> younger people now, they do need to see that more, say, than when... Like, I think you and I are a fairly similar age, but it never crossed my mind, even though that there were no... Certainly no female sports commentators, a, mm, cu- a, couple, mm. a couple of writers, a couple of TV... But it never crossed my mind that I couldn't or shouldn't, whereas now I, I hear that so much more, that, you know, that we don't see enough women in this or that role, and, mm-hmm. and that maybe, it, maybe it's the social media thing too that because of that visibility it's really yeah, weird no, I mean I know I I think you know and I don't want to speak out of turn because you've done so different but you know I think maybe you're probably a little bit of a no more fear and that is so awesome that you have that confidence and, and didn't feel that yeah. um, thing and I, and I wish yeah when, when you need to share your story and make sure more women are experiencing that because you know I, I probably had experience and even I started playing soccer, I was the only girl at the boys' team. And just stupid stuff like, you know, the coach would say, oh, get in pairs. Of course, I was always the last yeah, one standing right. there with no mates. Right? So, so those are just little things. But to me, they all get kind of filled up and perpetuate this oh, feeling of exclusion, exclusion or I don't belong or, you know, not enjoying it as much. And, um, and even for me, I had a little hand in kind of sports journalism and radio and, you know, as any woman and, it might not have been as tough as you Ricky, but um, it was kind of like, oh, I feel a bit intimidated by this environment or like the odd one out again. And yeah, it was probably one of the key reasons I mm. pursued elsewhere. And um, yeah, so I think, you know, obviously it all comes down to individual personalities. And But it, if we can ensure that there's an environment where girls and women don't feel excluded and feel they're valued and that they do belong and there is a pathway, yeah. I think that's going to give us the, the best success. I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not tough. I think it was just I had absolutely no idea what else I was going to do or wanted to do. So yeah, I was well, like, well, yeah, I had to. I had to make know, this one work. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, thanks, yeah. thanks Lord, for that because yeah, we need no backup plan for the game. <laughs> um, for you, one of the other things, I guess, through all of the, your different work that you do, you've kind of built your own brand as well with and through your team heroin work and all of that kind of stuff, and mainly through LinkedIn. But how is that an area? where perhaps athletes and female players, they can really look to to build themselves and just take it upon themselves in that way? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the way technology is evolving, that's something and an opportunity that we as athletes back in the day just did not have. And, yeah, you talk about um, the, the way I've kind of built my whole brand and it's been organic. And I think for me, the first step was finding something I was really passionate about in my little niche and kind of going, oh, like what I like to do and it can quite naturally to comment and post on social media. But, you know, I'm still the, you know, when I did my first post on LinkedIn, you know, around women's sports after that story of watching the World Cup and thinking, oh, I'm going to start 
advocating for it. You know, I was still nervous in my first post about having an opinion on it and waiting for the backlash and the trolls. But I think you just get more confident in what you want, the path. And, um, yeah, for me, the, the content creation side of things has been, um, you know, such a huge part of where I've got to and, you know, being an advocate in the space and, and people now coming to you. But like athletes, you know, they are their own brand and they can be because social media is letting them have this direct relationship with their fans, with their audience. Whereas back in the day, you know, it was all kind of gatekeeps through media managers or the sports organisations to talk to media and they had to rely on media to kind of tell their story how they wanted it to be told. Whereas social media, they can be who they want to be and say what they want and showcase whatever side they want. So that connection that they can drive is a huge opportunity um, to, to grow their, their fan base and be themselves and, you know, they tap into what's unique about you and your brand. Um, don't try and copy, you know, we've all got a unique story and really drill into that and um, develop that. And, and from a commercial sense, female athletes, it's such a great opportunity as well because so many female athletes that, you know, really savvy because they've had to be, they haven't had the same coverage as men's sports that they've had to find these other ways on be it social media or being really personal after the game and staying signing autographs. So, you know, leverage those unique traits of the women's game and what you can bring to it. And, you know, it's another great um, monetization avenue for athletes and, and kind of progression onto after sport life as well. If we were having this conversation in 10 years' time, what would what would the landscape look like for women's oh, sport gosh. and your big blue sky ideas? Oh. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think I've even been asked that. That's because um, you're too busy to, to, to yeah, doing it in the yeah. now to think about it yeah. too far ahead. <laughs> no, I think, um, you know, we'd see a lot more equality within the, the investment within the game, both from sports organisations, you know, making sure that women's players can be professional and not having to have a side hustle with, day jobs and that they can commit um, to investment from rights holders, but also, you know, sponsorship, that gap would be a lot smaller. I think uh, the total sports sponsorship made up by women's sports is still only, you know, 0.4% and, you know, media coverage is improving 20% and there's a variety of reasons for that. But for me, it's just a more level playing field and more girls and women just thriving, you know, sports, sports is such a great avenue for confidence, for social skills, for well-being. And, and I think the more we can get participating in sport bet, through being fans or participants, the better off society as a whole is going to be. So, yeah, just more women and girls thriving in sports and, and more equality within that space. Love it. Bex, we could be here. I could be here picking your brain for another hour, but um, you have – we will let each other get on with your day. Oh, I will let you get on with your day, and I'm going to go and uh, tw- take all this information that you've given. It's um, You're doing great work, and it's been such a, a pleasure to have a chat with you. Thank you so much uh, for joining me on Trailblazers. Thanks so much for having me.